Bibles to Exodus chapter 18. Exodus chapter 18. I got up here this, a, this, a, this afternoon, evening, and uh, realized I left my iPad at the house, so I'm back to paper, so I may be able to stay on track because I'm not trying to do any. I'm sticking to what I know. So, um, you know, it's a lot easier when you don't have to print everything out every time, though. So, but here in chapter 18, um, we're, we're going to be looking at a certain individual, and um, I, I know it's kind of, to me, it's kind of funny. It's Jethro is always considered like a, a, a hillbilly name or something like that, and um, if my wife wasn't so stubborn, we'd probably have a kid named Jethro, um, just because if, I don't know. I like the name. I may have to get a dog and name him Jethro. But um, we're, we're going to be looking at this man, Jethro, and yes, that is a biblical name. Um, it's, it's Moses' father-in-law, but here in chapter 18, there's a, there's, there's a lot that Jethro teaches us, and tonight we're just going to look at uh, the idea of lessons from Jethro. I feel like I just need to turn everything this way now. Um, but we, Moses is, is still... <coughs> In, in celebration mode, if you will. In my mind, he's in celebration mode. They've, they've been delivered from Egypt. And then in the last chapter, they've been delivered from the Amalekites. They defeated Amalek, or the, the, yeah, the Amalekites. Um, and now, here we pick up in chapter 18. It says, When Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, and that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back, and her two sons, of which the name of the one was Gershom, and for he said, I have been an alien in a strange land, and the name of the other was Eleazar, and for the God of my father, said he, was mine help, and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. And Jethro... Moses' father-in-law came with his sons and his wife unto Moses into the wilderness, where he encamped at the mount of God. And he said unto Moses, I, thy father-in-law Jethro, am come unto thee, and thy wife and her two sons with her. And Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, and did obeisance, and kissed him. And they asked each other of their welfare, and they came into the tent. And Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done unto Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, and all the travail that had come upon them by the way, and how the Lord delivered them. And Jethro re rejoiced for all the goodness which the Lord had done to Israel, <coughs> whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. Uh, I'll try to keep it seamless. We'll, we'll tackle these first nine verses, and, and what I see here is, the, the return and rejoicing of Jethro, really, um, we, we see at some point when Moses was coming before Pharaoh that apparently Zipporah and their two sons went back to Jethro, went back to her father's house, and maybe so Moses could complete the final task of delivering the children out of Israel without any distractions, maybe to protect them so they, they would be in zero danger. Uh, regardless of, of the reasoning, clearly Zipporah and her two sons were sent back to Jethro. And here, now that they've made it out of captivity, they've made it through the, through the waters, they've made it through the battle of 
with the Amalekites. They've made it through some of these harder times in the beginning. Not that all the hard times are gone, but they've made it through. It, it seems fit now for Moses to be reunited with his wife and children. Um, I will say this, there's, there, there is something to it, to being with your family. Um, I, I, I don't want to, I'm going to do it anyway. I don't, I don't want to spend too much time right here. But the, clearly God saw fit for a time for Moses to be able to focus on the job at hand. But also God saw fit for Moses to be reunited with his family. There may be times when you have to get alone and, and get the job done. And I mean, we see it, you know, from even like tonight, there, there's some men who are having to work. There are some men who are having to be apart, not just from their family, but from their church family to get the work done. And it's a requirement that they be there. Um, I, I think of those who military service, when they get deployed, it's a requirement for them to go. And sometimes they have to go places where their family does not need to go. But there is something about that return. There is something about that, that, that uh, what's the word, reunion. That's the word I'm looking for. That reunion with your family. Um, God didn't institute the family just for it to be broken apart. Um, so I'll, I'll say this and then we'll move back on to Jethro. If you have a family, you need to be with your family. Um, don't need to be looking for excuses to be separated from your family. Uh, and we see a lot of that in today's society, and uh, that leads to a lot of the problems we see in today's society. I, I don't want to get on that too much, so I better move on with that. But Jethro has reunited Moses with his wife and children. But in that same process, we see that the reason Jethro did that is all the way back in verse... <coughs> the way back in verse 1 it says Jethro had heard all that the Lord had done he had heard the great victory that God had brought for the children of Israel he had he had heard about the the destruction of the the captor, the captors uh, not the captives but the captors uh, of Pharaoh and his army he had heard of the deliverance through the through the water he had heard of uh, of all the plagues and everything that had gone on in Egypt he had heard of all these great stories of what had happened and then, when Jethro gets to Moses, Moses again tells him again all that had happened. That's what it says in, was it, verse 8. And Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done unto Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, and all the travail that had come upon them by the way, and how the Lord delivered them. So Jethro had already heard about what God had done. And then he gets there to Moses, and Moses is like, hey, I know you already know it, but I'm going to tell you the story again. And Leading up to this rejoicing with Jethro, or Jethro's rejoicing, uh, we, we see that we don't see where Jethro got tired of hearing about how great and mighty God is. And we don't see where Moses was like, hey, I know you've already heard it, so I'm not going to tell you. He said, no, it don't matter if you've already heard. I'm going to tell you and brag on the Lord some more. And when I was reading through this, it, it got me to thinking, how many times do we, I, I'll just use the gospel itself. How many times do we feel like, well, they've heard the gospel enough? How many times do we feel like, well, they've heard the good news enough? You know, I don't want to be an annoyance. Um, we should never get tired of bragging on God. We should never, uh, I, I love hearing other people's testimonies and not just their salvation testimony, which Moses is giving here a, a testimony of deliverance through trials and, 
as he said here, travail. <coughs> you think about it, they, they were near starving. They were near thirsting to death in the wilderness, and God still provided them. Moses is just bragging on the Lord. And verse 9 says, And Jethro rejoiced for all the goodness which the Lord had done to Israel. Jethro was not with Israel. Jethro was a Midianite, a priest of the Midians, if you will. He wasn't just a, a, a low, a low uh, not low life, a lowly individual within the Midianite camp. He was the priest of Midian. And here he is rejoicing of what the God of Abraham did for the children of Israel. He didn't, he didn't experience what happened. And he didn't even benefit anything from what happened. But he was still able to rejoice with them. Romans 12, 15 says, Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. I, I, here, Jethro did, got zero benefit from what God did. But he was still able to rejoice with Moses. He was still able to rejoice with the children of Israel, even though he had, uh, what's, what's the phrase, he didn't have a dog in the fight but he was still able to rejoice with them. And I, I, the, uh, the lesson we get here is simply that, that we don't need to only rejoice with those, again, Scripture tells us rejoice with those that rejoice and weep with them that weep. We need to be, what's the word, empathetic? Is that the word I'm looking for? I'm not an English major. We need to be considerate of others emotions of 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 where what god's brought them through we should be able to rejoice with others regardless of what's happening um too many times you see in the world of those who who, who want to brag on the lord and somebody's like yeah that's great doesn't and I, i'll tell you this i was possibly the world's worst about this that's wonderful news for you it doesn't change my life one bit so good for you that's not rejoicing with those that rejoice. It's almost like we, we, we forget that the goal is not for making our lives better. And we'll see this in a minute that Jethro really saw what it was all about here. He, he, through his actions, he expresses what the main goal is. But it's not about making our lives better. It's not about drawing the attention to us. It's not about me, and it's not about you either. And even the rejoicing here was not about Moses and the Israelites. The rejoicing was about what God had done. The rejoicing was about God himself. It all points back to him. And that's what it should be. When we rejoice with those that rejoice, it's not about us rejoicing in their benefit. It's not about us rejoicing in the fringe benefit that we get by being close to them. That rejoicing with those that which rejoice is about rejoicing in what God has done. To give God the glory. When we weep with those that weep, it's not about I'm feeling your pain. It's about, hey, I understand God has put, putting you through a trial and a tribulation time. And God has also put me here with you to, to weep with you so you're not alone. And God will get us through it. God will get you through it. He's, it's all supposed to point back to God we, we've got to get past 
the, the mentality of, if I don't get anything out of it, then I'm not going to put anything into it. And I'm not saying that happens here. I'm just, in general, that's what Jethro is showing here is he didn't have any skin in the game, no dog in the fight, use whatever, was that called, an idiom? Use whatever phrase you want to use there for that. But he, he had no other reason to rejoice other than exactly what it said there in verse 9. Jethro rejoiced for all the goodness which the Lord had done to Israel. He had rejoiced for what the Lord had done, not for what Israel had made it through, but for what God had done. Interesting thought in all this. You, you look at previous chapters that we've already gone through since Egypt to this point, and there's been at least three accounts where the children of Israel had murmured against Moses and murmured against God. And then they were the ones that were delivered by God. They were the ones that were provided for by God. And they're the ones murmuring. And here Jethro, he just hears just hearsay. What? Y'all y'all were in captivity and I, I know y'all I know about that. I, I know about that. And here you mean to tell me that y'all were thirsting and God gave you water? You mean to tell me that y'all were hungry and God gave you manna and quail? You mean to tell me that y'all were in a battle and God gave you victory? This, this Midianite who has no benefit of what Israel is going through still found a way to rejoice with them or for them in the Lord when the Israelites themselves were complaining and whining and moaning and groaning. Which reminds me of, over in Matthew chapter 8, says the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof. But speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, Go, and he goeth. And to another, Come, and he cometh. And to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. When, jo when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. This, this Roman soldier had more faith than what the children of Israel did in what Christ could do here in the New Testament. And that's... To me, that's almost a reflection of this Gentile, if you will, this non-Israelite, this Midianite, who had enough faith and, and was able to rejoice in the Lord when Israel was not so rejoiceful. Rejoiceful? Is that a word? It is now. If it wasn't before, it is now. Somebody's writing these down, right? We've got to make sure we get them defined and put in Webster's Dictionary. Uh, so... That way y'all can understand what I'm saying, right? So when somebody else comes in, you can hand them the book and say, hey, these are the words that our pastor uses. Just, just look it up <laughs> if you can spell it. But this, this Midianite priest who had nothing to do with it, really he was going to lose by Moses being delivered through all this and, and provided for. He was going to lose his daughter again. He had, he had been with his daughter during this time. He had had his daughter back. He had had his grandkids back. And here he's about to give them back to Moses and then go on with his life. No, 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 uh, um, no promise of them crossing paths again. No, no uh, back then it wasn't, you couldn't just FaceTime grandpa or anything. This was, this, this was possibly the last time Jethro 
would even see his daughter and grandkids. So he was really losing out on this, but he was still rejoicing because of what God had done. And so the first lesson that we learn from Jethro here in chapter 18 of Exodus is that we should be able to rejoice in the Lord regardless of the situation of, of our benefit. Jethro's rejoicing with the Israelites should teach us to rejoice, as Paul wrote, rejoice evermore. With, with, regardless of the situation, rejoice. Regardless of what happens to you, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. But we, we see something else as we continue on in verse 10. <coughs> it says, And Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who hath delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh, who hath delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods. For in the thing wherein they dealt proudly, he was above them. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and sacrifices for God. And Aaron came and all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. Just in these, these verses right here, Jethro was rejoicing, but also now we see Jethro showing respect to God. Remember, he was the priest of Midian. He wasn't an Israelite priest. Up to this point, we don't have the institution of Israelite priest yet. But those, those priestly duties and priestly laws have not been instituted yet. Yes, there were still sacrifices made. Abraham made sacrifices. Jacob made sacrifices. Uh, all, all these other uh, heroes of the faith, if you will, these Old Testament saints, they all made sacrifices, but there was no institution at this point of an Israelite priest. And here, so you have this priest who's not even of God, he, he's, but I would, I would dare say that this is when he's expressing, hey, I'm turning away from all that. I'm not going to stand adamantly on that, but that's a discussion we can have afterwards. But, but at least here, he, even as a non-Israelite, he is showing respect unto the Lord. He, he is showing reverence unto the Lord. Again, he, he was the priest of Midian, meaning that he did what religiously needed to be done for the Midianites. And for him to stand here and say, or stand there and say, now I know the Lord is greater than all gods, that's to say that he's at least tested and tried the other gods. He at least knows what their worth is. He at least ha has given them a shot, if you will. He's given them a chance and he could also be here, I honestly believe that part of his reference to greater than all gods is not only the ones that he's tried, but also as we were talking about when these plagues were coming through in Egypt, how each plague was almost a representation of these Egyptian gods. He's saying this one God was greater than all the gods that Egypt worships because, as he says there, for in the thing wherein they dealt proudly, he was above them. This God of the Israelites was above these gods, these little g-gods that the Egyptians worshipped. This, this God of Israel, this God of Jacob, this God of Abraham, this God of Moses had more power and more might than all the gods I've ever come across. All the little g-gods, all the false idols, all the... 
And, and so here he's putting God, the one true God, above all else and showing that reverence and respect. And, and it's sad to say that there's many Christians who don't even do that. They've allowed the God of money or the God of career or the God of status or the God of anything else to get in the way of God instead of putting all that stuff out of the way for the sake of God. And that there's, there's so much that the world offers, if you will, that it's, it's pulled us, not as a whole, but it's pulled Christians, I'll, I'll put it that way, it's pulled professing Christians away from keeping God first and foremost. And here again, Jethro came rejoicing with Israelites who he had no, 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 no benefit with, and now he's reverencing the God that he had no knowledge of, really, up until Moses. Jethro is, is painting uh, or, or giving great instruction just through his actions right here. And I'll say this, uh, when I was studying, I, was, I go to, I'll, don't, don't shoot me, I go to Matthew Henry a lot. I, I, I agree with much of what he says. Um, but he, in, in reading, he said something and it says, Mutual friendship is sanctified by joint worship. Jethro, a Midianite, who came rejoicing with the Israelites, and now he's, he's showing reverence and honor and respect to the God of the Israelites, he's now able to worship with them. That, that joint uh, uh, that joint friendship, that mutual friendship is bringing joint worship. Uh, and this is, I'm, I'm, being, I'm trying to be careful here. This is, this is a little outside of it, but think about how many of us come from different walks of life, different things, and how our reverence, our respect, and our love for the Lord is able to bring us all together in worship and honor of Him. And, and that's what Matthew Henry is trying to imply there by looking at what Jethro did. Jethro came from a different walk of life, but he still reverenced the God of the Bible. He's still trying to give worship and honor. And again, they're, they're able to come together and personally, with the life that I've lived, I've been friends with many different types of people. Um, I've been labeled as the country bumpkin or the hillbilly. Or even in high school, there was, there was uh, certain people that, that they called me Farmer Brown because I was just plain country. I, there, was, there was nothing to me. I was just backwoods. Just That's just who I was. But yet, there wasn't anybody that I couldn't be friends with because we always found some kind of mutual ground. But throwing all that off to the side, the greatest thing that I can find in common with anyone is my love for Christ, my reverence for the Lord. And when I find like-minded believers, it doesn't matter where they're from. I've met people who have been from Africa or from, from Asia, from uh, England. Let's see, I'm trying to think of other places that I've met people from. Canada. <laughs> I've met people from all over. Mexico, that because of our love for the Lord, we've been able to come together and worship and here Jethro is painting that picture of through his respect for the one true God he's able to come together 
in worship to that one true God. I understand that if we're not on the same page as the same God of the Bible, there are some who have painted a picture of a God to make him look similar to the God of the Bible, but they take away some of who he is or they try to add that he, something that he's not. That's, that's a whole other ball game to look at. But Jethro is saying, hey, the God that delivered you, I want to worship him with you. We should be able to do the same, regardless of our differences, regardless of that. We should be able to, and I'm thankful that we do that here. We're able to come together and look, open God's word and see the God of the Bible and worship and glorify and magnify him together. I'm thinking just bam, bam, bam. We've got, well, actually four different types of people just right here from four different areas of the country, somewhat. <laughs> but yet we're all able to come together because of our mutual relationship with God and our mutual respect and reverence for the God of the Bible. We're able to come together and worship Him together. And so looking at just this return of Jethro, if you will, we're able to see that rejoicing. We're able to see that that, that respect and, and reverence and honor to God. But as we continue, we're, we're going to learn one more. I'll, I'll, we could learn a whole lot from Jethro if I really wanted to break this down too much, but I don't want to be here all night unless y'all want to, and then we can. Um, Bree might get mad at me, but that'll be okay. Now, <laughs> but if we continue, <coughs> it says as they, were, as they were worshiping together and all that, and then, very next verse 13 it says and it came to pass on the morrow the very next day that moses set to judge the people and the people stood by moses from the morning unto the evening and when moses's father-in-law saw all that he did to the people he said what is this thing that thou doest to the people why sittest thou thyself alone and all the people stand by thee from morning unto evening and Moses said unto his father-in-law, Because the people come unto me to inquire of God. When they have a matter, they come unto me, and I judge between one and another. And I do make them know the statutes of God and his laws. So Moses is tasked with the duty of being that mediator between man and God, basically. He's tasked with the job of dispute resolution. He's tasked with the job of teaching of the laws and statutes, he's tasked with the duty of uh, just simple counseling, if you will. <laughs> he, he, he is the man, the go-to man for it all. And God tasked him with that duty. So he's not doing anything wrong here. It is, hey, lead the people according to my word. Lead the people according to my statutes. And so he's not doing anything wrong here. But Jethro says, see, verse 17, And Moses', Moses father-in-law said unto him, The thing that thou doest is not good. But wait a minute, he's doing good. He's, he's helping answer the questions. He's, he's pointing folks to the Lord. He's, he, he's, he's teaching them all that they need to know to follow God. And Jethro's not saying that, we'll, we'll get there. Jethro's not saying teaching and, and counseling and dispute resolution, that's not the, the bad thing. Verse 18, Thou wilt surely wear away both thou and this people that is with thee. For this thing is too heavy for thee. 
Thou art not able to perform it thyself alone. He's saying, you trying to do this alone is what's not good. You trying to do this all by yourself is not good. He said, you'll wear away, but also so will the people. Think about how many people, I, I, I should have got a number, millions of Israelites. There, there's, think of how many people Moses has to confront on a daily basis. And in order for him to stay ahead of the game, there's not enough hours in the day for him to be able to handle every issue that the children of Israel have. And that's what Jethro is saying some from the outside looking in. We, we see Jethro's recommendation to Moses. We see that he's, he's saying, look, you've got too much on your plate. You're going to wear thin because you, can't, you, you won't even have time to breathe if you continue at this rate. And they're going to wear thin because there's going to be people waiting to come see you. And by the time they come see you, they're going to forget what they came for. Can you imagine? <laughs> I can. Dealing with the VA. <laughs> can you imagine being on hold for so long that by the time somebody picks up the phone, you're like, I don't even remember what I called for. I'll call you back tomorrow and try again. <laughs> can you imagine? Writing a letter, writing a letter to your congressman, and by the time the congressman sees it, the issue that you're writing about has already passed. I think of how many issues went unseen because of Moses' one-man mindset, which I find interesting because if you go back to when Moses started all this, not only was he looking for every excuse, you know, who am I? They won't listen to me and this and that. And I got a speech impediment. I, 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 don't, I don't talk plain. I, I need help. I can't do all this. And, and why would they believe me? And then even, you know, beg God, you know, hey, can you send Aaron? Can you send somebody to help me? I can't do this alone and get through all this. And he's had Aaron this whole time by his side. Get through all this. And now they're, they've made it through. I don't know if it's a pride thing. I don't know if it's just he was so overwhelmed he didn't stop long enough to think about it. I don't know why Moses took this and said, hey, God's used Aaron. God used Aaron and her and, and, and um, oh, my Lanta, <laughs> Joshua. God used Aaron and her and Joshua in the battle against the Amalekites to, to make sure that this happened. And, but, but here, this is, this is a one-man show. I got to do this alone. I alone must take on this task. How many times have y'all heard me say the phrase, there's no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian? Now, I understand. I think of two particularly, Jonah and Jeremiah, particularly that God sent out alone. Uh, and there's more, but those were two that came to mind immediately. But overall, you got Elijah and Elisha. You've got Paul and Silas. You've got Paul and Barnabas. You've got Paul and Timothy. You, got, you, got, you have, even when Jesus himself sent out the disciples, he sent out 70 disciples two by two, so he sent out 35 pairs to reach the towns. He, God has a pattern of pairing people up, of not having to do any work alone. Even Adam in the garden, this is not good for man to be alone, and he created a helpmeet for Adam. So why is Moses here trying to do it all by himself? And that's what Jethro was saying. He said, you're going to wear out. You're going to burn out if you keep doing this at this rate, at this pace. The people are going to burn out. 
if you keep doing it at this pace. Look at Jethro's recommendation, starting in verse 19. He says, Hearken now unto my voice. I will give thee counsel, and God shall be with thee. I would be hesitant to take counsel from someone who does not direct you to God in their counsel. Um, and Jethro seems to be doing that. I'll give you counsel, and God shall be with thee. Be thou for the people to Godward, that thou mayest bring the causes unto God, and thou shalt teach them ordinances and laws, and shalt show them the way wherein they must walk, and the work that they must do. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands and rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties and rulers of tens. And let them judge the people at all seasons. And it shall be that every great matter they shall bring unto thee, but every small matter they shall judge. So shall it be easier for thyself, and they shall bear the burden with thee. If thou shalt do this thing, and God command thee so, see again, Jethro is making it clear, hey, this is a wonderful idea, but only if, God, if God's in it. Um, one thing I've had to remind myself over the years in ministry is every good idea is not God's idea. Um, I've come up with some really good ideas that if I would have followed through with them without seeking the Lord, and some of them I did. I, I learned why every good idea is not God's idea, because God's got a greater idea if we just wait on Him. That's another sermon. But <laughs> he says... If thou shalt do this thing, and God command thee so, then thou shalt be able to endure. And all this people shall also go to their place in peace. Jethro's recommendation is stop trying to do it alone. Stop trying to bear it all on your own. And there's some that argue and say, that, you know, this was just man's logic and this and that. Well, I don't think God had a problem with the idea because over in Numbers 11... The Lord gives basically the same instruction of placing men over thousands and hundreds and fifties and tens. So it's not like this is not a godly idea. So Jethro was not out of pocket saying this when you look at Scripture. But also we see this similar idea when you go to Acts chapter 6 when the first deacons were instituted. You got, the, you got the disciples or the apostles who are trying to stick to the word and stick to prayer and take care of the spiritual matters. And then you've got all the people coming and the widows are being neglected, the, orphan, the, the fatherless are being neglected, and, and, and things are not being taken care of in the house of God. And God says, or they say, all right, we need to pick out some godly men to pick up the work so we can focus on the important, the, 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 the weightier matters. Is that not what Jethro said here? Hey, you continue, you continue to, 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 to keep up with teaching the law. You keep up with t teaching the statutes. You keep up with, with, with the, the spiritual matters. And you keep up with the big things, the big problems. But, but let the small things be taken care of by others. Is that not what the deacons were supposed to be doing, was taking care of the smaller matters, the, 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 the lightweight work, if you will? And even Jethro's recommendation on how to pick the men. 
Go back to verse 21. He says, Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men such as fear God, holy men, men that reverence God, men of truth, of honest report, hating covetousness. Does that sound familiar as well? You go back to Timothy and, or 1 Timothy and you go back to Titus and look at the requirements for a pastor and a deacon. Those same, those same recommend, recommendations. Those same requirements are listed of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach. It, you, you, see the, you see these different characteristics that Jethro was listing here repeated over again when, when Paul is pinning God's design for those that lead the church. So just looking at all this... <coughs> Before we get to that, before we get to the conclusion, just, just for clarity, this 19 through 23 is where we see Jethro's recommendation of stop trying to do it all on your own. Was it in Galatians 6, 9, is that right? Over, I believe it's in Galatians, let us not be weary in well-doing. It's in less words what Jethro was telling uh, Moses here. Don't get weary and well-doing. Don't, don't get tired of doing the work, but he adds on to it. But don't try to do it all on your own. And I'll say this. I'm thankful for all of those that have stepped up so I don't have to do it all alone here. Um, because I can't. <laughs> I would not be able to do it all alone. I would not be able to do it without the help. And we, we see how God has provided, again, through all through Scripture, those to come alongside to help in ministry, to help in the work, to help in all that needs to be done. And so here in Exodus 18, we just, every, and all of this is so the work of God can be continued. All of this is so God can get the glory. All of this is for the simple purpose of, of pointing everyone back to God instead of burning people out from God. He came rejoicing, even though he had no reason to rejoice other than the fact that God is good. He came, he, he came with reverence and reverencing the God, even though he had tried all these other gods, he came in, in reverence and respect and, and, and worshipped with those who wanted to worship the same God. And he came with a recommendation, an instruction, a, a, a help, if you will, a little bit of good advice, or a scripture puts it, counsel, to be able to continue the work without burning out. And all these things bring God glory. You know how much glory God gets out of somebody burning out in the ministry? Not much. You know how much glory God gets when somebody says, well, that God is just like all the other gods, none at all. You know how much glory God gets when nobody's rejoicing? When we look at Jethro's appearance, I'll say appearance because in verse 27 of chapter 18, it says, And Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went his way into his own land. Jethro didn't stick around. He didn't come 
Again, he, he didn't come rejoicing because of his benefit, and he didn't stick around seeking benefit. He returned to what he had to do. I encourage you to pay attention to what Jethro told us here in this chapter. I, I know there's many other ways we could look at this, and I'm not going to stand here and, and try to you know, give you the, the 10 tips to being a good boss, which, as a motivational speaker, I could do that from what Jethro told Moses here. I'm not going to sit here and tell you, you know, anything other than if we take the advice, if we take these life lessons from Jethro here, Imagine how much glory God can get. If we apply these lessons of Jethro to our life, imagine how many others may see the glory of God through us. Rejoicing with others even when we don't feel like rejoicing. Reverencing God even though we don't agree with everything somebody else, and again, I'm not saying cross doctrinal lines. Jethro admitted that the God of the Bible was, or the God of Moses was greater than all the other gods. When someone can accept the fact that God is God, let's, re let's, let's rejoice and worship with them. And then take, take the time to remember, delegation is something that we can do. Here in, I'll use Arlington Baptist Church, you ready? Here in Arlington Baptist Church, as the pastor, I can only do so much. And if I try to do it all on my own, one, I'll be robbing everyone else of the blessing of being able to serve God. But two, I'll be burning myself out and burning everyone else out because they won't be getting what they need. Can you imagine me trying to say, okay, all the children are going to be in here, no babies in the nursery, no nothing, everybody's going to be right in here. And I'm going to teach the children and the adults and keep the babies happy. And, all right, and then come, come ladies' Bible study. All you ladies are going to come and sit and listen while I teach you. And when it, when it comes time for men's Bible study, all the men are going to come and sit while I teach you. <laughs> when it comes to youth night, all the youth are going to come here. And I'm going to do everything. Nobody else is going to do anything. Uh, these are hypotheticals, okay? There has to be delegation. There, there's a reason God has given us the body. And Jethro teaches us all that just in this short chapter right here. We'd do well to learn from his, exa his examples and advice, to rejoice with others, to worship with others, and to share the load with others all for the glory of him. Jethro is not mentioned much more throughout scripture, but I'm thankful he showed up here in chapter 18. 